This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Good morning, our lines are open 1850-333-103 Bernie takes your comments this morning You can text at WhatsApp 0862-103-103 You heard Barry there mentioning on the news About the fines issued by Gardaí In the McCroom district To those travelling between Cork and Kerry Over the Easter weekend And the reports from the Kerryman newspaper Of an influx of visitors in West Kerry uh, Also, we've a lot of calls that came in to us Yesterday and yesterday afternoon Busy show yesterday So we physically could not get to all the calls and comments but we do go through them all after the show and a lot of people on to us from the Bantry area and this was something we flagged last week from callers on and who live in the Bantry line around Crookstown Copy in those areas who said that road was very very busy in the early hours of Saturday into Sunday morning prior to Easter week and then people in the Bantry area on to us yesterday and yesterday afternoon in particular regarding holidaymakers they feel were in the area one woman said that and we can't really judge on this with car regs it'd be unfair to do so because a lot of people do buy cars that have a Sligo reg or a Dublin reg or a Wexford reg or a Kildare reg but this lady said she never saw so many SO and KE and KK and D regs and Meath regs in a car park in Bantry over the Easter weekend so while Gardaí say they did issue a lot of fines over Easter on the roads from McCroom into Killarney on the Cork and Kerry border people in Bantry I'm sure that who were to us yesterday will be saying well there's a lot of that going on here as well uh, and they noticed an influx in those areas of West Cork as did Kerry noticed the inf- as did those living in Kerry even noticed the influx to West Kerry in those areas that Barry mentioned there on the news anyhow your thoughts are welcome on that as well across the morning 1850 also from yesterday we heard from so many callers who picked up uh, nothing but litter at the weekend and their roadways were thrown basically out of cars it would seem uh, coffee cups uh, plastic bottles energy 
cans, all those type of objects, thrown out of car windows onto roadways and communities and local groups around to us saying they were disgusted at the litter that they saw dumped on the main roads and minor roads in and around villages and towns in Cork. But one Galway councillor has remarked on this and said that coffee cups are now the new cigarette butts when it comes to litter. And we'll speak with him and what can be done. Councillor Niall McNeilis will join us shortly on the programme. We're also going to hear about the Love 30 campaign, which is calling on the Oireachtas to introduce 30k limits in urban areas. These are speed limits in urban areas as part of the new road traffic legislation. The uh, legislation has been done at the moment, but outside of that, they want this implemented in urban areas. Some areas of Cork City have this in place in housing estates and roads leading into housing estates. I know where I live, uh, there's a hill up to my housing estate. It's a public road. It's not a housing estate, uh, but that hill, because there's houses on either side, there will be children in those houses who often do run across the road and that was always a safety issue. But there is a 30k speed limit on that hill now. It would be off the uh, the Silver Springs Hill North Ring Road and it's a road off that that is now 30k and then at the very top of that road that's also 30k and like a lot of housing estates now across the city they are 30k but uh, this is being looked at not only for city areas but also county areas and the group here Love 30 they did a research campaign into how many areas have 30k and in Cork County uh, there's none so if there's one that you know of in the county area let us know but according to this group they could find none uh, and there is a, a number of them in Cork City but your view on that is welcome on 1850 Tweet us at C103 Cork. And on the back of the government announcement last week on our rural future and their plan for rural Ireland, we chat with a group called Rethinking Rural Ireland. Now, this group, they are a non-for-profit group and they're going to explain to us how they can help so many communities transform their area of the county. I mean, one thing they can help with is how you brand your village or your town. And I was saying earlier to Ken on The Breakfast Show, the likes and the success of Kinsey and Clonakilty here in Cork and perception is everything and how well they have branded themselves as tourism spots over the last 10 or 20 years or more even and that they not only attract people in Ireland to visit but right across the world when they come to Cork they will check out Kinsale and they will check out Clonakilty. You could say places like the English Market have done very well in this city as well on that and Killarney known as a tourist destination, a big hit with Americans. So how can another other town in Cork get into that vibe, use their town as a brand like I mentioned Clonakilty has, Kinsale has, Killarney. Uh, how can that happen? Well, this group say they can make it happen. We'll speak with them later in the programme. And yesterday we were invited to a new vaccination centre in Mallow that will be used to vaccinate the public across North Cork. Uh, there is a number of centres in the county now. There's going to be another uh, set up in Ahamilla at Clonakilty GA grounds near Clonakilty and uh, Bantry Primary Care Centre centre is another location and it's Mallow for the North Cork region. Uh, so we took a visit to the centre yesterday and you'll hear about that. We speak uh, with the lead coordinator on how everything will work when you arrive at the vaccination centre, how you will get your appointment and also they deal with the concerns that people have. First of all, maybe if they're anxious about needles, but also people that are anxious about the vaccine and are worried about receiving the vaccine. They discuss all that and we, we asked them those questions yesterday and we'll 
be hearing that report uh, when I attended that centre in Mallow yesterday. We'll be uh, hearing that just after 11.30 this morning. And Peter Dowdall is along after 12.30 answering all your gardening questions. If you have a question for Peter, get them into us early because it does, it's a busy slot. It does get very busy in that segment. So get them in early so we can get to your question. You can call Bernie now, 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or you can email jp at c103.ie that and more coming up on the show across the morning and you would have heard there earlier on our AM news bulletin strike threats by teachers we discussed this on the show yesterday and it continues and this is over teachers who want the COVID-19 vaccine quicker uh, but on that the education minister has stated that that what they want what teachers want she has said will not be entertained Norma Foley said allowing teachers to jump the age-based vaccines queue on the basis of their profession would fly in the face of science, she said, and that our country's disgruntled educators must grasp this fact. Norma Foley was speaking yesterday to the three main teaching organisations. They are the ASTI and the TUI and the INTO. But these three organisations now, they have come together and they're going to ballot for possible strike action if they are not given priority for the jab. However, other industry groups, they're now out asking government that, you know, if you go down this road, where does it end? So they're asking the government to hold firm on the age-based model because if they deliver it this way, it will prove to be the best. It doesn't discriminate. And also, uh, like in other countries we have seen, it proves to be the fastest as well. And for businesses especially, they want to get back open. So if they can see people who are going into vaccination centres and getting vaccinated quicker, that's what they want. Whereby if they go on the professional route, there could be a delay somewhat, even though some people are saying there should not be. If we get enough vaccines, if we're being told anyhow, we're getting all these vaccines this month and next month, that vaccinating teachers should run parallel with vaccinating those on an age group uh, basis. So your views are welcome on that across the morning. I mean, if we are getting all those vaccines, should it work that we should be able to do everybody in their profession? like teachers and the guardie and then go on the age base or do you think we just stick with the age base and you can't go on what you do given the fact that teachers will say they're in classrooms with up to 20 to 30 students and it's very hard to tell a five or six year old to keep away or to not to run up into you a lot of teachers were on to us yesterday saying that but then we had other teachers who were saying they don't agree with their teaching union and they feel it should go on the age basis and what their union is saying is not what they want and they don't want the strikes so even within the teaching community, there seems to be a split. Anyhow, maybe you are a teacher listening. You're the ones that are going to be affected more than anybody else. Let us know. 1850 You can always text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We'd love to hear from those who are going to be affected by this big time. That's the teachers. They're the ones who, whatever will happen with the outcome, are the ones who will have to deal with that outcome. And also three women, and actually just on that, as I mentioned the teachers, just some breaking news that is coming in. Uh, the demands that the this is what is being issued now uh, from teaching groups. And it is that demands, uh, they demand that the government reinstate education staff as a priority group in their proposal. They say if the government doesn't do that by the end of the current school year, members will ballot for industrial action up to and including strike action. So 
at the end of the current school year will be up to the end of May or end of June so no change everything will, will go on as normal anyhow after Easter and they did say that but on that proposal both the INTO and the TUI have backed that motion this morning that's the latest on what's happening with the teachers and the vaccine rollout and this is just amazing people that are flying into this country and like every other country like New Zealand and Australia when you go there you have to quarantine in a hotel you pay for the hotel in advance as you come into the country to quarantine and yet again yesterday three women fled uh, the hotel uh, and they were returned to the hotel but that was after the Gardaí caught up with them on a motorway they left the Crown Plaza in Dublin where they had been in separate rooms for a number of days and then they got into a car I don't know was it their own car where they got the car from Uh, but they then made their way to Galway but on their way to Galway, they were pulled over on the motorway about 150 kilometres away or close to Loch Ray. And it was the Gardaí who had to more or less convince them to return to the hotel for quarantine. The women, understood to be a Brazilian, uh, had recently flown back into this country. For what, it's not really exactly clear, but they were coming back into this country. It's believed they were living in Loch Ray, but it doesn't matter where you are, where you're living, you still must quarantine. Uh, no matter what you are doing in this country, you still have to quarantine if you're on, if the countries on the list uh, and obviously Gardena are questioning and Garda spokespeople and the GRA now are questioning this because it means if someone was positive not saying they were but if you were positive then the Garda are in direct contact with a person that could be positive who's supposed to be quarantined I wonder why the, how they're getting out of the hotel I mean I know the defence forces are there and I think private security was mentioned at one point but if they are there, how are they getting out? Are they just walking past them? Are they watching them while they go on the toilet break? Is there only one person there in the hotel? You wonder how are they getting out? And I'm still baffled on why. I know there's people from Ireland who want to get home and the majority that do quarantine, but you'd wonder why so many people want to come back. And if you're living here, I can understand that. You want to come home, and you, but you still have to quarantine. I mean, if you look at Australia, they're very strict and they will tell you all straight. They don't care if you're born and bred in Australia or if you're only living in Oz for the last 10 years. You went to their ground and they'll say it's their country. You go into the hotel, you pay for that hotel and you quarantine and like it a lumpish. And there's staff everywhere and one person leaves and the whole city nearly goes into lockdown until security finds them. Uh, that's what's done in Oz. They're very strict on it. I was watching coverage earlier on in the year when it started there on Australian TV. Uh, and to think that here it seems to be you do quarantine but there's too many people who seem to be leaving the hotels and the reason it's annoying is because you and me are stuck uh, in our limits in our restrictions nothing opens and yet you have people flying in and out of this country speaking of flying in and out the Dubai 2 reports yesterday in the papers that one of them uh, was to have a Covid well now the test has come back negative and there's no Covid there uh, and a lot of the, those uh, their family members aren't happy with the way they are being treated with hotel quarantine quarantine. Uh, but on the issue of vaccination, we'll hear more about later on the programme. But now we, we did discuss the digital green search. And I don't know how people feel about this, but uh, people who are vaccinated, they will be able to attend concerts, sports events and restaurants ahead of those who have not received the vaccine under plans being considered by the government. This digital vaccination search that's set to become mandatory across the EU uh, in the summer. And the government here is considering how they can be used in Ireland. The vaccine passport that is still uh, being debated by the European Parliament, but they hope uh, that that even becomes law within the EU during the summer. So we'll have to wait and see about that. People have mixed views, though, on the vaccination search, because if you're vaccinated, you'll be able to go 
uh, as the plan is at the moment to sports venues, the concerts, uh, the restaurants. But if you haven't received the vaccine, then you can't go. Would that cause problems in society, I wonder? If one of your friends uh, has the vaccine or maybe four of your friends have the vaccine, they go out uh, for a nice meal in the restaurant, but you can't go uh, because you're still waiting for yours. Hopefully they won't come to that, but we'll have to wait and see how they work or how they implement that here in Ireland. And Michael Healy Ray, he is out on the issue of keeping shops, hairdressers and pubs closed. The Kerry Independent TD, he feels now at this stage that the government should uh, fast go and speed up the process of opening uh, the pubs and the hairdressers and uh, places and non-essential retail that do remain closed. But he has accused a lot of the ministers in government of lacking common sense. And he says many business people are at the end of their tether. He, he makes the point that the people who are making the decisions, the one thing they have in common is that all of them have never paid a man or a woman on a Friday evening. They don't know what it's like to have a business that is closed. He says the current crop of politicians that are there, they're lacking business ability or common sense with regards to running a business. And I think a lot of business people would agree with him on that as their businesses are closed. And we mentioned the issue of phone coverage yesterday and then the erection of all these masts arriving and being put up in urban areas near the city and in housing estates in the city. People not happy uh, that a phone mast just appears. Uh, No planning required when it's a booster mast and it can be right next to your house or it can be within a housing estate and people don't like the look at these. And there was a worries over health as well. Well, with all the talk of all these uh, various masks going up, yet last year, in 2020, uh, there was an increase in the phone network crashing. More than 51 million users uh, lost their mobile or indeed landlines in 2020. Uh, this compares with just about 5.5 million hours lost in 2019. And there were 17 serious incidents last year, all put down to weather conditions. But then I know we're all receiving our, our phone signals via mass. So if the weather is bad, it's going to go down. But I would have thought a lot of it was to do with the amount of people who are working from home and more and more people now using the mobile phone rather than the office phone to make phone calls. And that was drawing on the network. I thought that would be it, but seemingly not. It's down to the weather. Why we have bad reception and no phone signal for a lot of last year anyway. 51 million hours, it would seem, for 2020. Anyhow, views welcome on 1850-333-103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we're going to discussing the issue of litter. So many people were disgusted over the weekend when they came across a litter dumped on their roadsides near their home. And it seems that coffee cups are the big bugbearer at the moment. But as I mentioned that, a text here from Ellen who says, here is, and she sends me a picture of this, here is the disgraceful dumping of a washing machine and an old car seat in a small stream on a very small road near my house in Bantier. It makes me sick to see this. Just wondering, what can I do about it? There is a serial number uh, on the discarded washing machine. It's very visible. Can it be investigated? Have you any advice what I can do next? Well, I know a few uh, contact Cork County Council and we have had sent people to Cork County Council in the past. You can go on the website, uh, on their website and do it online or you can call uh, the County Council and I'll get the number later uh, for their reporting rubbish or dumping line. And I know people in the past who have done this and they have got 
down to the bottom and prosecuted people but it does take time and it does take time even for them to come out and inspect uh, the item that is dumped because they don't have a lot of resources that's the main point there but awful Ellen to think that in a nice area where you were and in a stream as well a beautiful stream because Ellen sent me on photos that you have a discarded car seat and a washing machine uh, thrown in a stream and, and the water there looks really crystal clear but you wonder how long that will last when you have this washing machine uh, rusting away in the water anyhow Ellen and we'll, we'll give, find that number in a while and, and send it on and give it out to people who are in that situation. But that is a big issue and it's an angry issue for a lot of people who are texting in like Ellen in Bantir and coming across this where they live. And we'll discuss that next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Face masks and coffee cups are the new cigarette butts in terms of litter, according to a Galway councillor, Labour councillor Neil McNeil joins me. Good morning to you, Neil. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for joining us. And before Easter, we had a lot of calls from people saying following Easter, will we see a deluge of litter? And that is what has happened here in Cork. And you're making a very good point before Easter on coffee cups. That is what is angering a lot of people this morning. Coffee cups and face masks lying across ditches on our roadways here in Cork. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I suppose with the face masks, it took us long enough to actually encourage people to put them on. And now we're actually asking people to actually leave them in their pockets rather than just discard them as soon as they walk out of a shop. Um, as I've said, it, it's it's like the new cigarette butt. Um, I have a business in Galway City, which, has got, which is closed at the moment. And when I go in to check out the railings, stuck in the railings, they're always either a coffee cup or a face mask. Um, and somebody has to clean those up. Now, our street cleaning crews, like I'm sure your street cleaning crews down in Cork, are like magicians. They come in early, very early in the morning. They clean up the place. You wouldn't think that the place had been, you know, um, dirty the, the day before. Um, and, and what's more and more is coming is, is, is these face masks and these coffee cups. And the coffee cups, for me, is they're, they're, they're such a bulky item that they fill up the bin fairly quickly. And it seems in all town centres and villages across the country is that people go for their 5K walk. They, they basically uh, get their cup of coffee, which is great. But these cups of coffee then fill up the bins very, very quickly. And um, that's what we're seeing more and more of all over the place. And thankfully this year, the, the Tidy Towns, the National Tidy Towns competition will be taking place. Um, it was suspended last year. So you're going to see a lot of towns and villages um, all working really hard and this is what's what, what one of the items that they're having to combat this year. And when you mention filling up the bins, I mean most of the bins are emptied but uh, some people might discard the coffee cup on the ground if they put it into the bin. Uh, if the bin is full it's going to fall out and then roll down the street or the wind will blow it elsewhere and that is going to lead to an interesting eyeball survey for many villages and towns right across the country. That's exactly it, and, like, and, and unfortunately, when the eyeball comes, you, you never know what date it's actually taking place on. So, I mean, uh, if there had been a good gust of wind like last week, the, the, the winds that we had, um, I'm sure that there'd be a lot of uh, these coffee cups all over the place. I mean, I suppose the other big thing as well is that during the pandemic, this time with the lockdown, a lot of coffee shops refused to actually use um, the reusable coffee mugs um, because of the fact that there's no touching allowed. You know, I, I don't know if you've been to a coffee shop lately, they, you know, they, they give you your stir, they give you your, 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 your lid and your sugar all separately. Um, and they're all handed to you with somebody with gloves or a tongue on um, when they're handing them over. So basically the idea being is that, um, you know, there's, there's very little interaction, you know, if somebody else physically touching your cup. So that's where they stopped actually taking uh, the reusable mugs. And we were very much trying to push that as a, as a project last year for our tidy towns in Galway City was that we would encourage more people to use the reusable mugs and hopefully now that they'll eventually come back to that, the, the, the coffee shops, um, and that, that they'll pick up on that. And because I think that's the only way we really, really can combat 
um, the amount of waste that there is from these coffee cups. I mean, these things uh, take thousands of years. The metal plastic, you know, some of them have said you know, that, that they're recyclable. It's only actually the cover that's on them is the recyclable part, the cardboard piece. And the rest of it is pure plastic. Um, and it just, just takes years to deteriorate in the, in the, in the environment. Yeah, and they can lie in a ditch for a number of, of months and years, as you mentioned there. And that is another thing that is frustrating people is on rural roads or main roads and somebody living near that road. And I'm sure you maybe you noticed this as well in Galway. Uh, bags of rubbish just being thrown out of the car. Coffee cups are in that bag and other items as well. And then you have mattresses being dumped in r- random areas. I mean, I know we've dealt with the issue here in Cork and people have been fined, uh, but it's the resources. There isn't enough resources here in Cork. And I, I presume it is similar in Galway as well whereby it's going out to actually catch the person in action or indeed just to find the item that is dumped and link it back to the person Yeah there's two, there's two bills going through the channels at the moment one is by our own Labour Party Senator uh, Senator Mark Wall um, he's bringing in a CCTV that we can go and use that to tackle uh, people who are doing illegal dumping in hotspots so everybody knows that famous ditch or that back road where the man with the van that's actually got no permit is the person that goes off you know collects your mattress goes off then and just throws it into a ditch. I mean, that's the guy we want to catch with the CCTV. Um, but unfortunately, with the GDPR at the moment, um, we need to get legislation to bring in and introduce that. Um, we have that issue in Galway as well. Unfortunately, what happens is that people have been doing big clear-outs clear in their houses. Um, they're, they're hiring the, the cheapest option, which is the man with the van who has actually no permit. So we have a big campaign at the moment to make sure that if you are actually getting somebody to do a clear-out with you, is that you make sure that that person has a proper waste permit and, and can tackle um, and you know re, re, remove your, your waste properly. Otherwise, all you're doing is you're going to cost everybody else a lot of money down the road. I mean, if every local authority is spending about a, a million euro each on illegal dumping, I mean, that's 30 million euros being wasted through all the local authorities across the country. Uh, and that's money that could be well spent and putting better playgrounds together, you know, fixing housing um, and all the stuff that, that actually local authorities should be doing rather than just cleaning up somebody's mess because they didn't bother to get somebody with a proper permit. And th- those people that go at the bag of rubbish. Um, another issue that we've found as well in, in a lot of local authorities that I've been speaking to is the whole issue of people using their household waste and actually filling up the public bins with their household waste. So they're going for the 5k walk with their small little bag of rubbish and they're putting it in the bin. And again, somebody has to pay for that and I just don't think it's fair. And it's, it's very much, again, a civic responsibility by everybody to actually you know, play by the rules, do their part and actually, you know, this way we can save money and our whole of our community can actually benefit from it in the end. And you mentioned there about what's going through the Shannon. I mean, the laws, the existing laws we have and the fines, I don't know if the fines are too low or people are ignoring them, but something needs to be done on the fining as well, uh, that people, if they are fined, that they actually do receive the fine and pay the fine and maybe increase it. A lot of people on text this morning are saying the fines are too low, they need to be increased. They're too low. I mean, like, we're, we, we've, we've a tenant handbook in Galway City. Just, this is just for our own council tenants. But, I mean, this is not just about uh, people who are in actually uh, in council properties. This is about people in private properties as well. I mean, if somebody, if you, if you, if you at the moment hire somebody to actually legally dump your material, I mean, you're just as bad as the person who's actually dumping it for you in the first place. So there should be a fine for the person that's actually given the, the waste, but also for the person that's actually uh, dumping as well. And there should be actually a proper a proper fine. I mean, we, we, the fines are too low, but also we need to be able to get around this whole GDPR stuff. So your community warden comes across the bin at the moment. He has to photograph it. He has to have a witness with him to actually go through the bag. 
Then they go through the bag and they find it was a letter or a receipt or something that would bring it back to the original owner of the of the, the bag of rubbish. And then, there's, you know, there's a letter sent with a fine. The person refuses to do it, ends up in court. At this stage, it's costing everybody time and money. I mean, it needs to be a lot easier for it. I mean, like, if, if I don't pay my taxes, your name is printed in the newspaper. If you're actually a legal dumper, maybe that's something we'll be looking at as well as name and shame um, in the community. Um, and you're given a chance to actually get around that, you know. Or as somebody suggested last night, is people who are actually uh, involved in illegal jumping, should they be turned around and actually asked to go out and work for 20 hours in their local community and actually do litter picking as well? I mean, there should be something that would make a deterrent for this rather than just um, uh, issuing a fine. That you know what, at the end of the day, if they're lucky enough, they'll just walk away from it. Um, because, you know, the, the courts are too busy at the moment. And, that, and that's the way the attitude is, and that's what we have to tackle first. And yeah. with the CCTV, I do believe, I mean, we've put them on bottle banks across the country. It got reduced uh, straight away, the amount of illegal dumping around them. Some of them were challenged, and hence this is why this legislation is now needed. And you mentioned there earlier about the coffee cups on that, Meg says, but where are our bins to put the coffee cups, like in other countries? And I know we had an issue here whereby a lot of the bins on the streets had to be removed because of people dumping their domestic rubbish. They they changed the bins first and made the kind of hole smaller, but it was still happening. And now you have a situation whereby you have no bins and then people are just dumping or placing their coffee cups down. I've seen that in, in, in some parts of the city where there's no bin and people are carrying this around while they're going for the 5k walk and then they're just placing the coffee cup because there's nowhere to put it and that's just yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to probably answer this probably in a way that you're going to say what's he talking about bins actually attract rubbish so actually if you have a bin you're going to be attracting rubbish so the whole leave no trace attitude which is what is happens in Europe as well is what we should be encouraging bring your waste home with you I mean, if it's coffee cup and you know, at the moment you're walking just in the 5K anyway, you should be, that's all you should be walking in, is, is bring that coffee cup home with you or throw it in the car and when you get home, get, you know, put it in the bin. That's as simple as that. I mean, like, why should we be relying on city town centres? If some of the actually people who have won gold medals in our national tidy town competitions removed bins from their town centres because they found that what was happening is these bins were overflowing, one big pizza box could block up the whole thing and the next thing you had all this litter on the street from it as well. So there's a responsibility here from everybody. If the bin is full, move on to the next bin. I mean, no, so just don't be putting it on the ground. I mean, this is education. We have to get them back into the schools, teach the kids. Kids can go home and then actually pull their parents up on it and say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, and, and that's what we need to do with that. Um, but I think looking for more extra bins, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the easiest option, actually, for people to do. Um, and it's not really good for the environment either because it declutters the streets. You know, you've got permeability uh, problems. You've got um, uh, people with disabilities, you know, where the bins are sometimes placed. They become an obstruction. So you've got all of those issues to come on board for as well. And actually, there's a cost involved as well for emptying each bin every time as well. Um, and, and, you know, the, especially now, more than ever, we're going to have funding issues for our local authorities and we shouldn't actually be having to put it into rubbish. We should be concentrating on the other issues as well. Yeah, very true. Education might be the key uh, more than extra bins. Uh, before I let you go, Neil, you mentioned there you're in business in Galway. What type of business are you involved in? I'm one of the guys that makes the, the famous clatter ring. Oh, so very good. Excellent. Here just beside the Spanish Arts. I'm the famous shop that keeps getting flooded every year. I, the... <laughs> I know the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the shop. So, oh, God, love so, you. Oh, yeah. And so, we know uh, all about floods here in Cork. We, we survived floods, we survived COVID. All we know is the locusts, and I think we'll be fine. But um, <laughs> it's been tough. I mean, everybody that's in business at the moment is closed. Um, unfortunately, the click and collect hasn't been allowed to happen. 
Um, but we're, we're we're working on a couple of new products and we've our li- online presence working. But um, just looking forward to seeing all the visitors hopefully coming to Galway and everybody staying at home this year and, and enjoying absolutely everything that's brilliant that this country has to offer. Yeah, and hopefully next month or, or the month after you guys will be allowed to open again depending on how things go. And I think the tourism market will be as big as it was last year. Hopefully, anyhow, I mean, Galway has a huge tourism market. So, I mean, would you have seen a, a big difference last year in the tourism market and, and the knock-on effect of people staying home? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, look, to be honest with you, we, we were expecting, because we were European Capital of Culture for 2020, uh, so unfortunately that never happened as such, except it was all online. Um, we would have gone from, would say, I'd say we're down about 50, 60% in our visitor numbers last year. Um, we know it, it, it's devastating, really, for us. I mean, it's an industry that really, like, we have the Arts Festival, the Galway Races, the Film Flat, and we go through all the various festivals. We're the city of festivals and city of tribes, but... Um, we were very lucky in the sense that a lot of um, East moved over to the west of Ireland and Connemara, um, um, and, and it worked very well for us that way. But our numbers are the American tourists, and they're not going to be back for at least another year anyway. That's what we're hearing, and um, it's it's devastating. But, I mean, look, there's a product that we know that we can sell. Um, we're very lucky, and, uh, you know, with Brexit and everything, we're an English-speaking nation. We, we, we're, 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 we're not the most expensive compared to some of the countries that are out there, and uh, everybody loves an Irish welcome. So I know that when it does open, that the tourists will come back to us. It's just it's a matter of really when and, and hoping that anybody who can survive this will, will, will do very well out of that at the end of it. Indeed, hopefully, and I think you're right. I think people will come back when things settle down and we get back to some normality anyhow. For the moment, Neil, thanks for joining us. Best of luck with, with your business in Galway, and we'll wait and see what will happen over the next while regarding rubbish and the coffee cups but thanks for joining us this morning Thanks for being Have a good day Bye. Take care That is Labour Councillor in Galway Neil McNeilis on the point he's making a lot of people agree with him uh, Face masks was one thing we were discussing a number of weeks ago but coffee cups were the big thing yesterday from people who were out and about picking up rubbish and he has mentioned that they for maybe about 20 years ago cigarette butts was letting down communities by way of litter when it came to surveys now it's coffee cups and no matter what we do people will still unfortunately throw the coffee cup out the window of the car and that is what has led to so much frustration from our listeners yesterday and again this morning uh, also I have Catherine here on WhatsApp who says Hi John Paul rubbish is often thrown outside my own house and wait for this eggshells potato skins and rotten meat oh it's disgusting says Catherine and that would smell as well uh, awful anyhow and Ellen was in Bantier and that washing machine that was dumped earlier and I know we have given this number to people in the past and it has worked but as uh, Neil was saying there is a lack of resources in all our local authorities and it does take time sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but the number the legal dumping line for Cork County Council this is it it's 021 428 5417 that's 021-428-5417 and we have that number here on file if you want to get our office later in the day our lines are open you can text our whatsapp as well on 86 2103 record today on C103 text or whatsapp Patricia with your comment 86 2103 it's a matter of when and not if 30 kilometre per hour speed limits will be introduced in urban areas that's according to the AA as the Love 30 campaign is calling on the Oireachtas to introduce measures as part of the new road traffic legislation. Justin Fleming is from the Love 30 campaign and joins me. Good morning to you, Justin. 
Good morning, John Paul. Thank you for having me on. And thanks for joining us. This is something that some will be aware of on roads leading to housing estates and within housing estates. They are already here in some parts of the city, 30k. On your research, there seems to be none in Cork County as yet. But is is this the type of urban area you're looking at, roads near housing estates and within housing estates? Yes, that's right. So the focus of Love 30's campaign is built up areas nationwide. Unfortunately, as you've said, it's a patchwork at the moment, so it's piecemeal and it's just inconsistent around the country. And for something so important, really, this should be nationwide. There should be one standard across the country. And the road traffic bill that's going through the Oireachtas at the moment, we suggest that that's the ideal opportunity to implement this new standard. And the reason for this is because of people in that area walking, cycling and drivers are basically just driving too fast. We've seen a number of accidents over the years of young children being knocked down. They can always run out behind the van after chasing a ball or something like that. And I mentioned the AA there, Justin. Their research shows that traffic moves better in built up areas at 30k. Yeah, and I think the AA really is the authority on, you know, obviously representing motorists. But from the point of view of the figures and the evidence, this really is a no-brainer as far as we're concerned. If, unfortunately, someone was to be hit by a car at 30k, they'd have a 90% chance of survival, which is great. But it drops very rapidly depending on the speed increasing. So if it was 50 kilometres, you'd only have a 50-50% chance of survival. And unfortunately, if it was 60 kilometres, it would drop to a 10% chance of survival. So really and truly, the number one priority for us all should be safety. And we have committed ourselves to a vision zero approach where we'd like to achieve zero road deaths. And this seems to be an obvious tool in our kit that we could use to get to that goal because it's so clear that it does it does save lives, it reduces the risk of death. But um, it is important to speak for children, as you said, because they've no voice of their own. And not only children, but parents as well, and the health service at large for physical and mental health. Because I'm young myself, I can remember when I was a child not so long ago, and I just think it's not acceptable for us to be prisoners in our own homes, stuck to screens, basically, because our parents can't, they can't feel safe that we can go out playing in our own communities without the fear of being hit by a car. So I think it is time to take action and this bill is an ideal opportunity for us to start, I think. And what would you say to some people who are texting in to say that, you know, here's another attack on motorists on the speed, not all motorist speed. I mean, as you explained, you're not really attacking motorists, but how do you get that around to people who feel that's what this campaign is about? Well, if I may say, first of all, that's not the goal. The goal is zero road deaths and saving lives. And I'm a motorist myself. I understand what it's like. I've only recently actually gotten my licence. I know that it's, you know, there are strict regulations and it's not easy. But these things are in place for a reason because they do help us to save lives. And really and truly, we have to get our priorities right here. Who are our streets for and what are the rules in place for? You know, 
at the end of the day, the AA did say, and they are the authority for representing motorists, that this helps the traffic to move more smoothly. If we can reduce accidents as well as saving lives, we can also surely reduce maybe insurance premiums. So I think it can be a win-win. But I'd further make the point that if we can make our places safer to live, then it might encourage us to use other modes of transport, maybe walking or cycling. And I think in the context of remote working, where we could do our jobs from anywhere in the world, then we have to get more competitive in making our places pleasant to live in. And it's more than just 30k or speed limits or signs, because it's the first step on a journey to zero road deaths. And to back that up, what it means is a more dem- democratic, how will I say, a more democratic um, sharing of our road spaces so that we take into account people whose voices that we currently might just, you know, we might overlook. And I'd, I'd make the point about children again. They're so important. They're the adults of the future and they deserve to be able to play and to be able to live freely in their own communities. And enforcing this, I mean, it's it's great to say we can go to a 30k and the sign will change, but just changing a number on the sign may not work. How would this be enforced? That's an important point. And if I may also say, some of the concerns I've heard about this have been on that exact point, that maybe it's not realistic. And maybe we'd be as well off to do to try 40 kilometres or something like that, that it can be hard for for us to get people to obey the existing speed limits. But I reject that defeatist attitude on the basis that we know what the evidence is. 90% survival rate if you're hit at 30 kilometres an hour. Our goal should be zero road deaths and safety, championing children and human beings who live in their own communities. Not maybe just every Tom, Dick and Harry who might drive through the community. So... Once we're agreed on that most important point, we can then get to the situation of, right, what do we do to back this up to get to this? But we need to agree on the goal and the the journey first and the destination. And then we can back it up with more substantial supports in the line of, you know yourself, as I said, democratising road space Mm. and changing the place physically. So it isn't just tarmac everywhere, but it's a pleasant place with nice footpaths and you know, benches, seating areas, spaces, amenities, nature. For everybody to enjoy and not be worried about speeding cars up and down or in estates. And also, uh, as we were touching there on the enforcement, new vehicles sold in Europe, I think from 2022, they will require to have the built-in speed limiter. So that will help in your cause as well. It's going before the Oireachtas because they are discussing new measures as part of the new road traffic legislation. So we'll wait and see what happens uh, with that. Best of luck with your campaign, Justin. And we'll see uh, how it goes when it uh, does go through the Oireachtas and what they make of that. For the moment, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thanks, John Paul. Thanks. That is, thank you. Justin Fleming there of the Love 30 campaign. Do you agree with him? Many people uh, over the years on this programme would have said that they were annoyed at people who would cut through housing estates as a shortcut and they were speeding through housing estates. So they would welcome that. And while I mentioned there is areas in the city have already 30k in place, uh, a lot of areas in the county do not. Your views are welcome. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A lot of your calls and comments on 
underway. Good morning to you, John Paul McNamara, in for Patricia, right through until one o'clock. And Bernie taking your comments, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can always email across the morning, jp at c103.ie. And a number of calls and comments and on the various issues we've been discussing this morning. But first of all, a call that came in earlier on from Ted in Clonakilty. And he says his driving licence was due for renewal, but it was extended until March. Now, they said the licensing authority said that they would write to him, but he has heard nothing from them. So now we are in April. What does he do? Well, yeah, they were supposed to send out packs to people. That was the original development in uh, November, December. But then everything changed in January when the lockdown was extended and no one thought it would go on this long, but it has. And because of that, the government did announce in late February that the expiry dates of driving licences were to be extended. And on that, all licences that were not or that were not already renewed uh, that expired from the 1st of March last year, 2020, until the 31st of August, 2020, they were automatically extended by 13 months in total or up to the 1st of July, 2021 this year, whichever date is the latest. And then driving licences already renewed that expired on the 1st of September last year up, t- up until June this year, they will be automatically extended by 10 months in total. So you don't need to do anything, Ted, to avail of the extension. The expiry date uh, as your driver record will be automatically updated uh, and the new driving licence will not be issued to you but your current licence will be extended so you don't have to do anything and everything on your record will be updated by the Road Safety Authority. So that's the latest on that. If we get any more, we will let you know but all of those licences in that time frame have been extended. And on the teacher's and the strike situation that seems to be looming over the vaccine because now as we heard there with Barry and News and it broke at around 10.30 when I was mentioning this earlier on the show that two teacher unions have backed a motion that could lead to industrial action. They are protesting to change uh, of course the uh, vaccine rollout list uh, which will prioritise someone's age instead of their job now. Uh, they're not happy. The votes from the INTO and the TUI means uh, that two unions are now going to support for uh, this industrial action and uh, it could involve strikes. We're still waiting to see what happens with the ASTI but on that anyhow, Patton from Moy says uh, he's in favour of age first vaccines but the teachers unions in the past have hung out their younger members to dry and now they are hanging out the SNAs they are in a more physical contact with the children than the teachers as Pat but all of their meetings uh, none of them are mentioning the SNAs in this now I know SNAs have been contacting us and they have said that they do uh, want to be included with the teachers when it comes to that discussion but Pat hasn't heard any of the teaching unions mention uh, SNAs with this regard while Ross says this is more brass from the teachers working from home nearly all of the year Ross says let them go uh, on maybe the PUP you mean or else give the cash to the hospitals or the ambulances uh, that do need uh, the service and do need the money and investment into our hospital network says Ross on text and a text here that says teachers just want to be vaccinated in time for the summer holidays uh, says that person on WhatsApp while Mary says hi JP 
I am a teacher myself and I am utterly embarrassed at the nonsense the teacher unions are going on with at the moment regarding the COVID vaccine. The Gardaí have to come in much closer to people with contact and they're not throwing the toys out of the pram threatening industrial action. The teacher unions are a disgrace. Yours in frustration. Mary on WhatsApp who is a teacher and then Annie is also a teacher and Annie says I am mortified. I agree teachers should be considered for the vaccine as you mentioned earlier it's hard to control a six year old but when you don't know either what they could bring in with them when they arrive at the school gates however threatening strike I feel is too far if I met someone today and they asked me what do I do or what do I work at I don't know if I would be too embarrassed to say I am a teacher. The unions don't represent all of us teachers, says Annie. And also similar from Mary on WhatsApp to 0862103103. So it's different views. I mean, we did ask for teachers to get in contact with us as they're on the Easter break. And there's a lot of different views coming in from teachers. So we're hearing from the unions that they are back in a motion that could lead to industrial action. You would think that teachers would have a large part to say in this. But then on the reaction we're getting here from teachers, uh, a lot of them have come back to us. Many don't want to give their name or go public. But the two I mentioned there, Annie and Mary, a lot of teachers are in the same opinion and they just feel embarrassed and feel it's a disgrace and do feel they should be considered for the vaccination and it should change but the talk of strike and closing schools uh, as Annie put it she's mortified Uh, your views are welcome Uh, that's the view from two teachers and, and a lot more that don't want their names mentioned are in the same opinion as Annie and Mary so Uh, I'm not sure what's going on in the unions, but the teachers contacting us today have a different opinion to what the unions are saying. 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And on the quarantine situation and those that are arriving into this country that are going into hotel quarantine and then they're leaving a texter here says the reason they can abscond is from quarantine is because the army have not got the powers to arrest them and by the time the Gardaí arrive they are gone put the Gardaí in place at each centre instead and a texter here who says the quarantine has to stop this person feels it's not working this is a free country not a prison my son lives in Germany I was talking to him over the weekend I asked him if I went over would I have to quarantine in a hotel and he said no I would not so mixed views on the situation with quarantine I can tell you though if you're going to Australia or New Zealand you would and if you were going there I'm not even sure you would actually get into quarantine I know a person who was trying to get over there with regards to work and at the moment it's simply a no I have to go through a big process by interview and filling out forms online and it did not even get to the stage of going into hotel quarantine, which like here, you're paying for yourself. Uh, So it really depends on the country. The majority of people seem to welcome that because it's keeping the virus out and the more or the less that travel in and the better we do in Ireland, it means the sooner things can open up and we can get out and about ourselves. Uh, But if we leave people in, there's a fear that they could increase the virus if we're doing well. And all it takes is one person to come into the country and and increase it. So there's mixed views over hotel quarantine. But uh, we've seen it work to some regard, even though there was problems at the start in Australia. And we've seen it work there and how a lot of the states in Oz are now more or less back to normal. If there's a case, they shut down, but they're they're having a more uh, normal life than we are at the moment, anyhow. And on rubbish, we mentioned uh, earlier, we discussed the rubbish people out picking up litter across the weekend on ditches near their homes. They were disgusted uh, to find so much 
of the items dumped but the big item that came up was coffee cups on roadways that we were making the point that people driving might throw it out the window but also everybody that goes for a walk now within the 5k uh, they grab a coffee and a lot of these new coffee trucks are, have been set up in various parts of the city and county and then people and the argument was made there's not enough bins so they're placing them on the roadway some not all now a lot of people take their coffee cups home but some are dumping them and on that issue uh, Texter here says Morning JP whatever happened to the council having the power to ask households to prove that they have a bin collection service well that was in use for a small time uh, not too sure if it's still ongoing now it could be uh, due to GDPR or it could be due to the fact that the resources simply aren't there as we keep hearing when it comes to reporting litter. Uh, Also, Burr in the city says on reusable coffee cups, which we mentioned earlier as well, and this was with the councillor from Galway, uh, Neil McNeilis, who says because of the pandemic, uh, shops and coffee takeaways are now dealing again uh, with the throwaway cups, uh, not using the reusable cups, which we were all getting used to going in and using our own cup now it's gone back to the paper cup anyhow Burr says I usually bring my own cup and bring it into one of the places like my local Centra which is self-service coffee also Starbucks have started accepting reusable cups again so if they can if other cafes can follow suit that would be better for the environment and a texter here says we live between Glanworth and Kilworth and the amount of McDonald chip bags and cups on that side of the road is disgusting. It has to be from people coming uh, from various areas, either in the Fermoy area or, or from the city areas, but it's terrible uh, that they can do this and then throw that out their window of their car onto our ditches. Linda is in Middleton and when we mentioned the face masks earlier and the dumping of face masks as well in line with the coffee cups, and Linda's making the point that it's often an accident. Linda says I have lost a few of my favourite masks because they have fallen out of my pocket they are very light in weight I have retraced my steps last week to find one we're not all bad and accidents can happen uh, says Linda in Middleton thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and North Corkman on WhatsApp says what is this going for a walk with a coffee within your 5k oh my god is it an afternoon tea party people are having because that is not great for exercise and then leave the coffee cup after them what kind of people are these they should be fined on the spot by Gardaí uh, and even as well if they leave a face mask down they should be fined for that uh, this person says just stop all of this it's not safe safe anyhow uh, at the moment so they should be all fined for dumping coffee cups and indeed face masks which is something everybody would like but again uh, resources don't seem to be there for that to happen uh, thank you for your WhatsApp there uh, signing off as the North Cork man and Claire on this says Ireland is the only country in Europe that doesn't have recycling bins on the streets. Most other countries have several bins at regular intervals for plastic paper, cans etc. It's often very difficult to find a bin here at all let alone a recycling one. Ireland wants you to take it home so they can charge you to take it away. There is no excuse for dumping or dropping litter says Claire but Ireland needs to change its thinking and attitudes towards rubbish disposal all recycling should be free if we are really serious about it says Claire good point a lot of people would agree with you Claire on that on a free recycling and recycling bins would that be an option I know uh, again when we were speaking to the Galway councillor he said bins attract rubbish and that's why you've a lot of overflowing bins and the 
whatever's in the bin like a coffee cup or a pizza box will fall out and, and blow around the street creating more rubbish but recycling bins would they work would they encourage people to recycle and Mike is in Bantry and regarding the dumping he says yes it's the same people dumping wait for this dog litter bags in the same place I collect 10 dog litter bags in the ditch uh, we don't have enough uh, dog litter dumping boxes in our towns either says Mike in Bantry and regarding the 30k we spoke about just before news at 11 this is the Love 30 campaign they're calling on the Oireachtas to introduce the measure as part of the new road traffic legislation which is due to come uh, before the Oireachtas shortly but as they work on that uh, the campaign is out there they want 30k in all urban areas so people will slow down especially as you come towards housing estates and roads uh, leading towards housing estates none it would seem from their research in Cork County a limited number of those in Cork City and Michael is abandoned and he says they got a 30k speed limit a few years ago in his estate so there is one in the county in Bandon uh, so in his estate they got a 30k limit but it made no difference he went to the Gardaí but they could not help him traffic is still very heavy in his area there are two schools in the area and the speed limit signs make no sense they go from 100k down to 30k within a few yards so uh, as we did mention that conversation with Justin from that campaign Love 30 will it make a difference having a number on a signpost change and it did not abandon anyhow Michael thank you for your call it's 1850 a lot of talk last week about the government's launch of our rural future but on the back of that we're going to speak next with a group who are called Rethinking Rural Ireland and what they can do to transform local communities You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. You can always text on WhatsApp at 0862-103-103 or email jp at c103.ie. And last week, the government launched the Future of Rural Ireland, which they claim that it will transform rural areas of this country. Well, Rethinking Rural Ireland is a non-for-profit social enterprise which is empowering towns and villages across Ireland to regroup, rethink and relaunch. Shane Cogan is the CEO of Rethinking Rural Ireland and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John Paul. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. I suppose this no is problem. something that we're well used to here discussing with local community committees on what they are trying to achieve or working on to fundraise for their communities. Sometimes, though, we notice that some of these committees can... Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Overlap and you can have too many people also involved in a committee. So is it something like this you're looking at, at refocusing uh, communities and how they run the committees and, and how they run their local area? Absolutely. And it, it differs each town. I mean, what Rethinking Rural Ireland is trying to do is focus on the small towns and the population, say, under 2,000 who used to have that committee structure and it used to be vibrant. Or they have a committee which is like one or two people and it's kind of hit a bottleneck in terms of maybe they're not winning the grants or, or there's, you know, one or two voices dominating the space, you know. So we're looking at it in both kind of ways. And also saying to the guys, listen, this is where the grants are. This is where the, the finance is now in the next five years for, for rural Ireland and helping them to navigate those complicated spaces. And you mentioned grants there. Accessing grants is always a problem for many because the forms they fill out, people get confused with the forms. They can be very complicated. Also, similar filling them out online. Is it something like this that you hear of one town that might apply for a project and they might get that funding and then another town nearby might not get the funding for something similar and one town kind of rises above the other? Is this where you can come in then and help them when you mentioned the accessing of grants there? It is, John Hall, and it's 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 a recurring theme. All every county in Ireland, like I said, some of the committees might have one person who has a background in in filling out these forms, and then another committee doesn't, and so that that's their kind of weakness or gap. That's where we would like to come in. We have a team. My own personal background basically is twenty years overseas working in community development and with a fundraising hat. And the big thing, the big money, of course, is EU grants. And they're very complicated and they require crazy amounts of legal criteria and annexes. And for a small town to fill them in, it's very, very, very difficult. Um, however, some local authorities do help them per county. But again, each each county in Ireland is very different in how they uh, support or handle grants we're finding. So here in Roscommon, we have a very good uh, county council, which kind of submits the grant on behalf of the applicant in the county. Uh, and then they kind of give a lot of support. But in other counties, the support isn't there, you know. So it's also kind of addressing that gap. And when the support is there, it's great, as you mentioned, when it's not, it does cause problems. And one other thing that can cause problems is you get the grants. It might not be enough for whatever project you want for a town. And one thing that we notice here is communities then go fundraising. But do they need to think outside the box? I mean, can you help communities with this? Because for a typical example is that they organise a fundraiser. It could be for the community hall or, or, or for something else in the town. But they'll do something like Dancing with the Stars. And every town in the area is doing Dancing 
Dancing with the Stars and then people are getting frustrated they're not getting enough coverage uh, you know the, the posters are up but they want more people to know about it but I think people will get they hear so many of these fundraisers it kind of goes over their head and then one town will do something different and that's the one everybody is focused on they'll do something that isn't like what, what everybody else is doing I mean can you help uh, towns uh, with something like this because at the end of the day everybody is has their own main job their own family life so it's going to be hard for them to try and come up with various ideas to get their town moving in the right direction and in the end when people look at this town they might want to move there invest there or, or change the area in some way that will bring people to live there Absolutely uh, we have a great guy on board who is a specialist 20 years in branding and giving towns identity that's something I learned when I came up with this concept last year UCD Innovation Academy was the creative design model I won't go into details now on it but it's all about getting people in the room and coming up with a mad idea, running with it, and then saying, this is the solution. Something completely out of the box, less field, very different from, say, your neighbouring town in Cork or, or, or Tipperary. Like I said, everyone's doing Dancing Stars. Everyone is doing kind of uh, various uh, money schemes with GA and soccer clubs. We're looking at something very different, very unique. But listen, another town is going to copy it. They may better it, but people would hope that we know where the, the original concept comes from. And you mentioned there branding and the branding of a town is important and I, I was making the point earlier Clonakilty and Kinsale here in Cork very good at that perception mm. is everything when people visit Cork you know they will want to visit Kinsale and Clonakilty for the tourism aspect the English market and the city centre also you know on the back of the Queen's visit a number of years ago they play to that and then in Clarny very near us as well whereby that is a big tourist destination anybody that you know on a, on a Sunday drive I know at the moment we can't but before if people people think about where do we go for a Sunday drive and they want to go a good distance, Killarney would be it. And that's something a town could do. For example, in North Cork, I mean, the Munster Vales is a brand being used, but it could be used more. And the towns in the area, you know, could adopt that name as part of the region to, to enhance tourism. I mean, how can, I, how can you help a town with this? I mean, this is something you could work on and it could change the perception of a town. Absolutely. And what we're, what we're doing as well, we're we built this development ladder where we hope towns, towns exchange ideas. What was weak? What was good? Lessons learned. It's not a competition. It's an aspiring ladder. So those towns that you mentioned in Cork, what did they do right that we could replicate in another town or another county? How amazing would it be in a couple of years' time after COVID, we get Clonakilty from Cork and they're going up to Weedor in, in, in Donegal or another town saying, this is what we've done on branding. This is how we redesigned everything. These were the breakthrough kind of key points. And we share these ideas, we exchange these ideas, and that's what Rethinking Rural Ireland is hoping to do in the next few years, that we bring 15, 20 towns together from all over the country, success stories, and they're exchanging ideas on how they rebuilt the town through new projects and, and branding and basically give their town a new identity. And can there be jobs produced out of this, Shane? Well, what we're not going to do is bring in factories and fill it with workers and solve unemployment. That's that's the job of the government or your local TD. But what we will do is spark a debate, a discussion. We'll win a grant that will, I don't know, it could be a, a music festival, a memorial, a greenway, a walkway that will give the small towns like, oh, we've had nothing for 15, 20 years and suddenly we've won this EU grant. It's transformed the town. And hopefully it kicks on. It may, it may create a small bit of livelihood employment but it just gives that small town a little bit of hope, something to look forward to again in six months' time, a year, when they have their annual event, which is a 
success story. And while this all sounds really good and I know there's people listening and I, I've met people over the years at the County Mayor Awards where there's people involved in a voluntary capacity in their local mm. communities to make it better and everybody in these committees we, we mentioned are all volunteers and they have, as I mentioned earlier, their own jobs, their own lives to lead as well. Uh, but if, if you get involved and you help them and, and we do something like brand a town and, and improve a town, how do you guys then make money or how can you generate money out of this? It's the big question I keep getting and we would like not to charge towns of our service. At the moment, we have no revenue. We're only new. We're only a few months in existence, but we're getting a lot of press coverage and various groups are reaching out to us. So how would we charge? We would get our money through local authorities or EU and Irish government grants. Hopefully we can tap into, you know, the big launch last last week. If the government are serious about rolling out this massive rural development project, there will be finance for groups like us and communities. So I think... The timing is excellent and the revenue streams are there. So we would hope, like I said, we won't charge small towns. And then if people want to get in contact with you, Shane, how can they do that to, to, you know, to, to even chat to you about some of the ideas we discussed this morning? Absolutely. You can get in contact through our website, which is, uh, um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, rethink-rural uh, Ireland or uh, through LinkedIn, or Rural Rethink on uh, on Twitter. I'm happy to share my details with you uh, through the show. Um, and my phone number is on the website, my email address. You can reach out anytime. Well, it is a good idea, and I think it will help people who are looking for new ways uh, to generate either income into the town or new ways of branding a town. And when they look at nearby towns and see how well they are doing, everybody is trying to come up with a different mm. idea to do something similar uh, for themselves. So it is a great idea. We'll see what happens over the next while, uh, and hopefully you will be able to get that funding from the local authority or whoever to help towns who, who do need uh, to go in the right direction. For the moment, Shane, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will await to see how the town's local here improve anyhow in rural Ireland with your help. Thanks for joining us this morning, Shane. Thanks, John Paul. Have a great day. Take care. Same to you. Shane Cogan there, who's CEO of Rethinking Rural Ireland. Uh, I mean, it is what they're proposing is good. Hopefully something that can come to pass on that. I mean, uh, talking about it is one thing, but for this to come into fruition is another thing. But hopefully it will. It will be positive about this and they will be able to help out so many communities who we speak with on a daily basis looking for help of one idea or one thing to another. And, and boost rural Ireland because if that's what the government ran about last week and they're, they're mad for everybody to move to rural areas and invest well a group like this that can help those committees full of volunteers if they can get money from the government or from the local authority even though the local authority is struggling enough at the moment all across Ireland for money but if they can get help from the government then that help can be ploughed into our local towns and villages right across uh, Cork City and County anyhow your views are welcome on that and we have their details on file if you want to get in contact or get more phone numbers for them 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on the way we're so much talk about vaccines over the last number of months we yesterday were invited to a new vaccination centre in Mallow and this will be used to vaccinate the public in North Cork we're going to hear how it will work and also how they will deal with people's queries and concerns when they arrive for the vaccine that's next C103 Jobs 
first though, checking out the job spot for today and Mallow Printing Works. They have vacancies for a sign maker and fisher. Also for a graphic designer, apply with a cover letter and your CV to jobs at mallowprint.com. An office administrator is required for an agribusiness based in Mitchellstown to cover three months maternity leave. Contact Brian on 087 936 And Hurricanes Motorcycles in Newmarket, they require a mechanic and repairs person to work on motorcycles, quads, lawnmowers, chainsaws and more. You can send your CV and your experience to info at hurricanesmotorcycles.com. These jobs and more online now at c103.ie. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Vaccination centres are to open within the next number of weeks across the county. One for North Cork at the GAA complex in Carragoon is in Mallow and for West Cork there's going to be one at the Clonakilty GA complex in Ahamilla and also in Bantry at the Bantry Primary Care Centre. Already there are vaccination centres operating within City Hall, Parky Cueve and MTU, previously CIT. Yesterday the HSE held a briefing for media to see exactly how the rollout will happen in the county of Cork and I attended the briefing at the GAA complex in Carragoon uh, which is just outside Mallow Town yesterday afternoon. Now this like the other two complexes I mentioned in West Cork and also uh, the three in the city it's perfect for this I mean for example when you walk in you will enter one door and then you leave another door so you don't repeat your footprint in any way also there's a large seating area where you will wait after you receive your vaccine you wait for about 50 minutes very similar like you would for your flu jab but within that 15 minutes you're all spaced out it's a massive area it's a massive hall within the GA club in Mallow and within that there is 15 booths administering the vaccine and the vaccinators are nurses, local GPs and pharmacists all assisting with this rollout. Uh, they had the capacity to vaccinate 1,200 people per day and also the capacity to operate seven days a week, 12 hours a day. I spoke with those involved in this yesterday in Mallow uh, and just be aware, in case you think we sound muffled, everybody was wearing masks and protection yesterday and standing away from each other uh, with social distancing. So just in case you think we're muffled, that's the reason why. And also if you hear the odd echo in the hall because we're standing away from each other, that is the reason why there. So first of all, I spoke with the lead coordinator for North Cork, Mary B. O'Sullivan. I first asked her how it will all work and is she and others there delighted that it has come to this stage in dealing with the pandemic? I can't wait for it to open and just to say we are going to welcome them in with open arms. We'll be as delighted to see them as they will be as delighted to get the vaccine, you know. And I suppose I have to say thank you. This is while people are coming in and they're going to get their vaccination. But this didn't happen without so many more people um, being involved. Even come from estates in the HSE had an awful lot to um, get together to get to um, get this set up in the way that it is. And we will have. Um, you know, security, we're going to have ushers, we're going to have vaccinators, we're going to have uh, MTAs, we're going to have medics, there's going to be a plethora of people that are going to help. And even here I have to thank Mallow GAA as well for facilitating us in having the venue here 
and we are very lucky. There, you know, there. I'm sure there are people from North Cork. Maybe they're all not footballers or hurlers that have seen this GA complex before, but it's a fantastic um, complex. And for those who are listening today, it's by appointment only. You can't just come up here and drive into the GA club. You have to have an appointment. Have to have an appointment, and there will be an online portal that you will register on, and you will have to register on that and have your appointment time. And we are, we will be very. There'll be nobody waiting. The appointment time will be the appointment time, and you'll be coming in and you'll be directed all along the way from the minute you come in the gate outside by the traffic management, and equally by the people that you will meet at the front door here. So we would ask you to arrive on time and um, I would hope that from beginning from the time you come in the entrance door outside to the time you leave will be no longer than 30 minutes. That's our hope. We're doing age specific and, you know, there are quite a, a number of, you know, our in North Cork I would imagine, not I imagine, I know, that between the ages of 60 to 69, I will have uh, 21,000, I would expect, to come through the doors here. And that's that age group, that tenure. So that will be a huge help to the people who are going to be vaccinated. And equally, because it's going to be a help to our hospitals, because these are the people that would be going, having, going into hospital. And if you go, if I go again, then from our age group, 40 to 60, it will be around 29,000. So that's a massive age group, and it's going to be, it's going to have a huge effect on reducing any hospital admissions that we're going and reducing people getting COVID. So that's why we're so excited to get started and get people vaccinated so that each each and every one of us is going to have some sort of a summer you know we'd all like to be able to get out and go out and have something to eat and meet up with friends of ours and meet up in each other's homes you know and how soon do you anticipate that this center will be open here for vaccinations for north cork i would anticipate within the next two weeks that's and it could be sooner and it's all obviously, as we all know, it's going to depend on our vaccines, delivery and vaccine, whatever supply. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my hope and our hope here in, in the centre here in Mallow. That's Mary B. O'Sullivan, the lead coordinator at the vaccination centre for North Cork at the Mallow GEA complex, which is based in Carrigoon near Mallow. Uh, in that discussion, we were also discussing the concerns with Mary B. that some people have about the vaccine and receiving a vaccination. And I think in the last year, any of the any of those of us or people who are would be anxious about it, like we all need to have a life and to live number one we want to live and we want to be healthy and we don't want to get sick but we want to have a life and enjoy it with our family and friends and that's that's a very it's very simple but it's it's gosh it is so important for any of us for you know we've heard a lot about our mental health this year and we're we've gone extremely uh we're very open about talking about it and if we want any bit of um, 
chink or a chink of light in our lives and in our, the lives of our families, I would say absolutely vaccinate. And if there is anybody in any doubt, I would suggest they chat to their GP. And equally, we will have, even if they come in and they're uh, anxious, we will have somebody here to assuage their anxiety. So please, vaccinate is my, my word to the people of North Cork. What I believe in, and I believe in the regular, regulatory authorities, and the European Med Medicines Agency has approved these, and if they have, we have to trust the science and the people are, the, who are giving us that information and believe in that. So, to me, it is. And it is about staying afterwards. If the person who vaccinates you says you have to stay 15 minutes, or indeed if you have to stay 30 minutes, please sit down and stay for the 30 minutes and follow in any advice that you were given and if you go home and you are not feeling right afterwards or later on and you feel oh yeah i need to ring my gp well you ring your gp or the out of hours and for someone like yourself mary and others here who were on the front line and while there's a lot of talk about vaccines and concerns does it please you now that we've come through a whole year there's light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines for someone who has seen firsthand the effects covid has had on so many in the community and how this will be of help and relief to so many as well yeah, absolutely. Like, and it's been a really tough year for everybody. And I don't doubt even for, you know, for the people who have got COVID, for their families, for the people who have died, for our, you know, all our frontline healthcare workers, and especially those that have been in hospital. And the fear that was there and that is still there. You know, I don't want to get COVID myself. And I am very mindful of my actions when I'm not at work, you know? So this is a light at the end of the tunnel for all of us. And I'm looking forward to it. And that's Mary B. O'Sullivan, who I spoke with yesterday, the lead coordinator at the vaccination centre for North Cork, which is based at the GA complex at Carragoon in Mallow. And as that it was happening yesterday, at the moment, as I speak this morning, there's a similar event happening in Clonakilty at Ahamilla. And that's where there will be another vaccination centre there. Very similar and same information uh, to what Mary B. is saying there and also at the Bantry Primary Care Centre. And we know already of the vaccination centres across the city in Parky Cueve. City Hall MTU, of course, uh, which was formerly known as CIT. Uh, but one of the vaccinators at the Carragoon complex yesterday, uh, and that was, and that will be from whenever it starts in the next few weeks, will be Anne-Marie O'Gorman. Now, she already has carried out vaccines within nursing homes and explained what it was like starting off the mass vaccination progress. Mass vaccination clinic is the next phase of the national rollout of the covid vaccination programme, which commenced in January with the vaccination of the most vulnerable in nursing homes and frontline workers. And I'd just like to put it on record that in North Cork, the team, the vaccination teams have vaccinated over 5,000 people in the last 12 weeks, um, from going to individual nursing homes, providing teams of vac vaccination teams to the, to the units to vaccinate the residents and staff. And we've also um, vaccinated mental health clients and disability clients as well. And the, the teams that have been going out have comprised of community nurses, admin and medical staff. And together they have done an absolutely tremendous job. Um, 
dealing with the, the vagaries and the, the opportunities and challenges that present when you go into a nursing home and you know with, with the fear that was got, was around initially of us bringing COVID in and all that kind of stuff and um, to, to the 100 year old woman was told she told her vaccinator when she got the COVID vaccine that it was like all her Christmas had all her Christmases had come together and she was just absolutely delighted that she was finally felt finally free of COVID and really I think the the vaccinations are giving everybody the opportunity to be able to hugely lessen the impact of any COVID infection on their lives so that they can get on and as Mary B said you know resume some sort of normality again in their lives you know with their family and friends. And do you think we're seeing the benefit now of the vaccine, the fact that numbers are slowing down in that age, older age category, especially those in nursing homes? We're hearing less stories now of, of the spread of it in nursing homes. It shows the vaccine is working. Yes, absolutely. Um, not only are the residents protected, but they're also being able to open their doors to families being, being able to visit again. And, um, and that's been a huge, taken a huge mental health toll on families who had to visit through windows and, or not at all. For the past year which is an awfully long time and obviously have lost family members as well as a result of COVID so the fact that they can all get back together again is, is hugely beneficial for everybody. And that is Amberly O'Gorman who will be one of the vaccinators at the vaccination centre at Mallow GAA and again similar centres in Clonakilty, Bantry and also in place in Parky Cueve uh, MTU now which was CIT and City Hall that gives you an insight on what it will be like when you go along eventually to one of those centres and there are by appointment and again if people are not online you can ring uh, the HSC line 1850 24 1850 uh, for more information on when you can get an appointment but you will get that link it will be online and your GP will also of course be in contact with you as well uh, but that hopefully the centre in Mallow and elsewhere will be in operation within the next two to three weeks so uh, I suppose with everything going on it's a bit of welcome news and a bit of good news for the various areas of Cork County C103 it's Cork today with you until one we're going gardening shortly after 12.30 with Peter Dodal. but let's get to a lot of the comments to us across the show this morning on various issues we have been discussing first of all before midday uh, we were discussing and talking about the vaccine and we were hearing from those who will be vaccinating people and the people in charge of the vaccination centre in Mallow and a question here from a person and this vaccination centre in Mallow is for all of North Cork but someone is asking if they can't go to Mallow how will they get there Uh, because they're in the Fermoy area well while this is serving a large part of the community still GPs will be uh, providing the service within their own surgery so if there is uh, something like that you can't get there I'm sure they will facilitate you one way or another so while while this is going to be a mass vaccination centre and the majority of the public will be done there GPs will still be in their surgeries uh, giving vaccines and dealing with vaccinations because people with underlying conditions and those will be uh, still calling in and, and getting their vaccine from the local nurse and the GPs as well 
But the vaccination centre is more or less the, the overall population um, from what we were told yesterday. So if, if that is a situation, when your time comes, your GP, I don't know what your details are, your age or anything like that, uh, but you, you will be notified when your time comes on uh, where you will get the vaccine. And, and I suppose at that stage, then it could be your, your local GP will give it to you. It just depends on so many factors at the moment. But that is the, the main point we're making here is Mallow is the vaccination centre for North Cork. Uh, there's only one centre and, and it is to Mallow. If you're in the North Cork area, you will be going. And we explained earlier, there's uh, in the city, Parky Cueve, City Hall and MTU, which was CIT. And then in West Cork, it is the GA Pavilion or the, the Ahamilla, uh, the GA Grounds in Clonakilty. And also then in the Bantry Care Centre in Bantry, there are the venues for vaccinations uh, and large scale vaccination centres in Cork. Now, on the issue of rubbish, we discussed earlier on the programme, a lot of people uh, who are angry and frustrated over rubbish being thrown on the ditches outside their homes or within their housing estates. On that, a person here says, maybe there should be an adjustment in the attitude to what litter is. People don't seem to equate litter with resource. Most products are made from recyclable materials and should be returned to the recycling process. Providing uh, good quality recyclable materials, for example, uh, clear marked bins, providing education around the availability and benefits of recycling facilities, as well as further investment into developing recycling facilities, would support job creation, the economy, and the environment all in one go. That's a good point, and we were uh, speaking about that earlier on the education of people and educating people and how they deal uh, with rubbish rather than just throwing it out the window and whatever is happening over the last number of years regarding fines it just does not seem to be working so that is an idea and a person here in Dunmanway who says I work in Dunmanway we live five miles outside the town and the roads are a disgrace with rubbish but the traffic goes so fast it's a risk to go out cleaning and picking up the rubbish having said that the recycling centre in the town has stopped taking paper and I use the cans and bottle banks each week but what do I do with paper and with plastic? The nearest place for me is either Bandon or Clonakilty. I keep it in the garage until I get to Bandon. That, by the way, both Bandon and Clonakilty, uh, this texture saying is over 20 miles away from where he is living. Uh, but he keeps the plastic and the paper in his garage until he gets to Bandon. And then when he is going to Bandon in the last number of months to get rid of his rubbish he's been quizzed and of course he's outside his 5k so he has to tell the guardie at the checkpoint what he is doing and giving a valid reason for being outside his 5k so he said he can't really win there's no centre in Dunmanway even though there's a lot of talks about that over the last while uh, this text was saying no centre uh, nowhere to put my paper and my plastic and then we they wonder why I suppose people are dumping rubbish on the roadways where there's nowhere to put it uh, Morris says this is one of the most littered countries in the world and we all have won and deserve the name the dirty Irish says Morris on email while when we were talking about coffee and a lot of people were making the point those now going for their walks also go for coffee and could that be a reason for the increase of coffee cups as well being dumped on our roadways well Mary says I go walking every day but I never buy a coffee I don't think all these coffee cups are being dumped after walkers says Mary while it was Burr in the city earlier was saying that some shops now 
are letting people bring their reusable coffee cups again and at the start of the pandemic they, they ended that you were just taking the plastic cups that were on offer if you were getting a coffee for takeaway it's seemingly now when some of the stores and some of the outlets they are letting you bring your reusable coffee cup but a texter here on WhatsApp says some, some shops nearly all of them are still refusing to take those reusable coffee cups so while maybe there's one or two that are uh, for the majority that this the WhatsApp and there's a few more people have come in on this as well the majority are not allowing you to do this and you will have to take the plastic cup and that's all to do with what's going on at the moment regarding Covid on the teacher situation and we it's changing every hour uh, to uh, uh, industrial action of course around about here uh, two teacher unions uh, between 10 and 11 were backing that motion now all three have and they all have backed the motion that could lead to industrial action of course they are protesting to change the vaccination rollout list which will prioritise someone's age instead of their job. Now the Education Minister Norma Foley, she believes there will not be strike action in the short term by teachers but a lot of people have been on to us about this over the last hour or so uh, we discussed it at the start of the programme and we'll be going into detail uh, tomorrow on the show about this and speaking to one of those teacher unions. But on this, a texter here is saying, I agree with many callers to your show that the teachers just want the vaccine for the summer so they can enjoy their summer, says this person on WhatsApp. But Margaret is uh, reacting because earlier we had a lot of teachers who were on to us. Uh, Annie was one, uh, Mary another, and they were making the point that they are embarrassed at what is going on. Annie went to say she was mortified and she said if she met someone today and they asked her what does she work at, she would be very slow to say she's a teacher. She doesn't agree. Her union is the INTO. She disagrees with them. And why both feel, yes, teachers should be vaccinated because they are in a classroom full of young children and a lot of the question is you know what the children could bring into the school uh, from home where they're running into the teacher and all of that uh, while they agree there should be something done they feel strike action is wrong and uh, I must say the majority of teachers contacting us today uh, are against strike action and are against what the unions are saying anyhow on this Margaret says I too am a teacher and I am a member of a teachers union my opinion was not sought by the union regarding strike action yes I would feel safer if I was vaccinated but I wouldn't be in favour of strike action as a means of ensuring that I receive my vaccination strike action will impact negatively on children. Children need support now, not further disruption. If the government needs and wants to speed up the vaccines, hopefully we'll all get our vaccines between now and September, says Margaret, who is a teacher and again, like so many others, is not in favour of strike action. So you'd wonder what's going to happen here because the unions are threatening that and even though nothing's going to happen the schools will still go back next Monday as they are but they are looking at industrial action before the end of term it was mentioned earlier this morning we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, with that and we'll hear more when we speak to a teacher union tomorrow on the show and Con on that issue says teachers and the vaccine I think the union is very selfish about this because the teachers are on holiday now and they will be on holiday again in seven weeks says Con and a lot of people making that point that while teachers want the vaccine 
which is fine, but they won't get everybody done in the population of teachers within the next term. So if they fight for it, yes, they might get it, but they won't be all vaccinated before the summer, whereby if they go on the age profile, uh, Jim says, well, then they'll more than likely be vaccinated around the same time. Uh, Mary is abandoned. And Mary says, how dare the teachers look for the vaccine? The elderly have not been outside their door for over 12 months. What about the shop workers, the postal workers, the bus drivers? What about all these people uh, that go along and deal with the public day in, day out? Uh, why are teachers now looking to strike over this, says Mary? And on staying with this issue, a lot of people texting in on this. The texts are here, no name, but says the teachers never wanted to go back to work anyway. There was an obstacle after obstacle with them and I think now uh, they finally feel they're justified. Fire the lot of them and put them on the PUP, says that text there. But then a lot of teachers are onto us and they disagree with what the unions are coming out with this afternoon. Uh, and they do not want strike action. Why they want the vaccine, they don't want strike action. Anyhow. Uh, some of your thoughts on the teachers and reacting to what has come out over the last hour or so. Uh, and again, you know, teachers, if you're listening, let us know how you feel. The majority don't want strike action from the messages we have received from teachers this morning and this afternoon on the show. We spoke earlier about 30k speed limits and how one group, Love 30, want this to be put into law now and that every urban area of not only Cork but across the country should have a 30k speed limit on roads leading to housing estates within housing estates uh, there's a new road traffic legislation just that is due to go through the Oireachtas and they want this mentioned now uh, and brought into force now so at least when they're discussing this it will be part of the new legislation on this though the majority of people have mixed views some welcome this and Michael Bandon earlier who said that his housing estate was uh, converted from the speed it was to a 30k speed it made no difference a lot of people making that point that you can change and I, I did put this to that group earlier on uh, that you can change the number on the signpost but will it make a difference to driver's behaviour and a lot of callers are saying for those areas that have a reduction in speed limit it has made no change at all but a listener in Skibbereen says no to 30k speed limits it's all complete bull says that listener in Skibbereen and a lot more calls and comments in on different issues we'll get to those very shortly on 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. Morn Abbey Ladies Football Club will host a virtual family bingo on Zoom. That's going ahead this Friday. It starts at 8 o'clock. Tickets are available up to 2 o'clock on Friday. And you can check out the club's Twitter, Instagram and Facebook page for all the details. The Cork Deaf Association are offering free online classes in mindfulness for people who suffer with tinnitus every Tuesday evening from 5 to 7. It starts next Tuesday. For more information, contact Sarah on sarah at corkdeaf.com ie or by phone on 0830276098 and the Barrow West Family Resource Centre they're running a number of online courses at the moment one of those takes place this evening at 5 o'clock and it's an evening session on listening skills for parents and carers if you want to register for those free courses and the one this evening contact Natalie now on 086 or email 
at bearawestfrc.ie. And a text in here and a call as well. And this is from a person asking about click and collect. They say, hi, John Paul. We normally do the online shopping and we get it delivered to our door. But this week we could not get it. There was no available delivery slot for today. So we noticed that it said on the top of the app in SuperValue that you can switch to click and collect. So we rang Musgraves and I said the government hadn't brought back click and collect, but they said for foodstuff it's essential. And this person wants to know, can SuperValue do this click and collect? They can. They can do that because uh, what's happening with click and collect is there is no click and collect for non-essential retail. Uh, but obviously food is essential and that's why supermarkets are open. Uh, so they can do that and they're all doing a Tesco doing the same as our Duns. Uh, click and collect is available uh, because it's a f- food you're shopping. So that is deemed essential. It's non-essential retail. You cannot do that for. But if you weren't able to collect your food, you'd starve. So yeah. Yeah, that is that is allowed. Now we'll be going gardening very shortly with Peter Dodo. But before that, we had a lot of calls into us yesterday, and this was to do with electricity prices going up. And people were on about reading their meters. Some people were getting estimated bills, and we were saying that people can read their own meters. And a lot of people have done that and noticed a difference if you use the phone number or the website or the app uh, for the various company you are with. But it also led to people uh, texting us in with their various stories on how they had changed and made the switch. And I mentioned that I had done that myself. And then people were asking, "Oh, uh, give us an example. How did it go?" Because for those who have done it, it's great. For those who have never switched, uh, not that it's intimidating, but you're never too sure on how it will work out. So oh, for me, anyhow, uh, this is a help to anybody listening who is in a situation that your contract is out or just about to go out if you were with an, an energy company, electricity company or a, a broadband company. For me, first of all, I was with, well, I still am now, but I was with uh, SSE Electricity and the contract was up and Electric Ireland had a great deal that you could move to them for 350 credit at the time as well. So good rates, good tariffs and also there was a 350 joining credit so that would make an impact for the first few months of your bill so I rang SSE and I asked them could it do anything you know because I was going to go away from them and and move to Electric Ireland and they said no they could do nothing Uh, so later on that day I just went online and I switched over to Electric Ireland Uh, you could do it on phone as well it wasn't all online you could had the option to go and, and ring the ESB up or Electric Ireland up but I just went online that was fine. Two days later, wait for this, two days later, I get a call from SSE to say, we're aware you were switching. And then they say to me, they can offer me better rates and tariffs. And they offered me a credit of €370. So I got a better rate, a better tariffs and more of a credit than Electric Ireland. Now, not a huge amount more, but still on the tariffs I was getting, they were lower and better credit. So in the end, to save the hassle, I just stayed with SSE, but I got a better deal. Even though I did make the point, I rang Ian, no one offered this. It was until I actually physically made the switch, then they came back offering me a better deal. So that's one example of switching. If you're in that situation, like a lot of people were yesterday, out of contract with whoever they get their supply of electricity from or your contract's about to go out. Uh, That happened to me. Maybe that is something that people can use if you are uh, looking at moving and saving money. In the end, I didn't move, but I did save money and got a better credit as well uh, of 370. So my first few bills won't be as high uh, for this year. So you're saving money. And then not only that, then 
we had people on to us about their broadband and they had similar issues they the broadband was uh, out of they were out of contract or they were near uh, the contract ends and they were looking around and uh, looking for advice and people offered us a number of, of different uh, advice and different companies well for me again and I we will we, put this out there to see if this helps anybody uh, I had my phone my landline and my broadband uh, so my phone landline uh, all together and broadband and TV so three in a bundle with Sky uh, so that was there for a year it was a perfect offer it all worked okay and it was going to go up from 55 euros a month to nearly 100 euros a month so I just thought that was way too much so rang Sky a few times I got it down to 76 euros and again explained you know I have my landline my broadband my TV it's a bundle can it do any better they could not that's the lowest they could go and in the end I spotted an offer from Vodafone and this is where I did switch where no one came back to me and said stay with us Uh, so I did contact Vodafone and again you can do this via phone or on their website I got the same deal for broadband TV and phone for 40 euros so another saving there now I understand the the Vodafone TV service I mentioned not available in all parts of the country but some will avail of this Uh, and again the one thing I would advise the people who are thinking of doing this you will have to set time aside and I know we've spoken to uh, switcher.ie and bonkers.ie over the years on this and many others who avail of this service and and, and advise people to move Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association is always telling people to move around otherwise you will end up with high bills and as I say with the electricity it was interesting to the fact that when I did move SSE came back and more or less begged me to stay offer me those rates and indeed a credit because at this stage I was switching so I made my point that they might rang you you could do nothing so what's the big deal now and I'm not the most important customer they have thousands of customers in Ireland so why did they want me back but uh, like others yesterday they did and it worked out cheaper for me uh, and again the same happened with the, the bundle of the TV and the phone and the broadband but again the only thing is you do have to set time aside it does take money or it does take time should I say to save money uh, and you'll have to set aside an hour uh, for I think it was three hours in the week that it took to do all this because you're on the phone and the one thing is what I did use the web for only some of the switching mind you only a small the majority of my time was spent on the phone and yes of course why are you setting aside so much time when you ring any of those companies you are waiting for about 20 minutes on average so you will have to press the one two three you will have to wait but you will get through Uh, so you know a lot of people ring us up saying I can't get through to air I can't get through to Vodafone Uh, but if you stick with it after 20 minutes you will eventually get through I know it's frustrating and I know people don't like the one, two, three uh, but uh, all my problems were sorted in the end but I did have to wait that's a lot to do with setting time aside also in the brief period as Vodafone wanted to upgrade my line I had dealings with air and I must say I had to ring air and within five minutes they answered the phone and everything was sorted in one go. So you have to give it to air and their customer service and I know I'm going to get texts and calls saying I don't want to be ringing an 1890 number. You do not have to. All those companies now have 01 numbers as well and you can you can look those up if you have access to the net and find an 01 number or if you know someone that has access to the net find an 01 number for them and that will save you as well money if you want to ring them but if you're interested in switching as we had that discussion yesterday on the show uh, just a few tips from listeners and as I mentioned myself my own uh, experience it can be done it does take time 
you will save money and hopefully you never know maybe they'll come back to you and offer you a better deal before you even switch like what happened to me with electricity but it can be done but again it is very time consuming anyhow uh, something uh, that you can mull over if you are on the way to a contract end with your energy provider or your TV provider you can let us know across the afternoon how you get on jp at c103.ie but we are going gardening with Peter Doddall next Across Cork City and County, this is Cork Today on C103. And while we mentioned the vaccine centre earlier in Mallow, Thomas and Mallow wants to know, you mentioned the portal, if people can't go online, well, you can also ring, as I mentioned, the HSE live number. Now, that won't be in operation yet for, for booking appointments, but it will be, and it will be advertised when everything is up and running in Mallow and other centres in the county. But you can ring them as well. The HSE live number is 1850 24 1850. And on the teachers, Dan says, JP, let the arrogant, well-paid teachers who get massive paid holidays go on strike when they will not be paid. What a load of selfish rubbish from them, says Dan. Uh, another texter says the teachers would want to think of the underlying conditions for many people. Uh, and uh, PJ on text says it's easy for the teachers to call into your show JP and pretend in capitals he has that they don't want strike action. The unions work on their behalf and do what they want. Smoke and mirrors, says PJ on text to 0862103103. Let's go Gardening. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And let's say good afternoon to Peter Doddall, our Irish gardener. Afternoon to you, Peter. Well, you must be worth loads of money with all the savings you're after making. Well, you know, Peter, I'd be doing my best for everybody to see. That's what I have. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that uh, 50 euros is a lot of savings, but didn't I give you a few tips there? You certainly did. You certainly did. Well done. You see, you? Like yourself, and when you're a famous gardener like you, Peter, you just don't need savings. I mean, when you're a gardener to the stars, <laughs> you know, why would you be saving money? Jesus. Satellite TV, broadband, what are these? What are these? Now, <laughs> your, bro- your broadband is breaking up there a bit. It could be your microphone connection rather than the, the broadband, if you can just sort that out there for a small bit. If we can hear you better now. No, speak, 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 speaking of savings, that's air broadband, so hopefully it's okay. No, it's okay now. I think it's more of a connection than the broadband, but it seems to be okay. Right, let's move on, Peter. Let's get straight into the questions. We've a lot of them in, so I'll get through as many as we can. And I know Bernie sent you a picture from Colette in Kilworth. And Colette says she has these two Piers bonfires, what she calls them. Uh, one goes lovely, red foliage, and the other, it stays very pale green. Now, she's changed them around in position in case the sun is a factor here both were reddish she says at the start and they were all in the same soil and everything but they've changed over the season she'd love to know what the reason is regarding this they were both red and they've both changed to green is that right no one is still reddish but the other one is pale green and she wants to know while they're in the same the same area why one has changed it's just that's just nature, John Paul. Yeah, it's Pyrrhus bonfire is the name of the plant, as you say, and they're lovely little dwarf Pyrrhus. So a lot of people would know Pyrrhus like the the flame of the forest. So this is just a dwarf version of the same, and that red growth is just the new growth. It's it, it's one of the, the the real features of the plant. They do flower as well, lovely little lily of the valley type white flowers. But this red foliage, this red new growth, which by the way is going to be very susceptible to anybody who's listening who's got Pyrrhus at the moment, uh, it will be very susceptible to frost damage over the next few nights. 
light, so be careful. Um, but that red growth is new growth, so that does naturally fade to green as the season progresses. Um, why one has faded to green slightly before the other, it, I couldn't. Impossible to say. It, it could be to do with like normally, the, if the if they're too bright, if it's too sunny, they would go green quicker. If it's more shaded, they would stay red a bit longer. It can also be to do with the amount of potassium in the soil, but it, it's nothing at all to worry about, and nothing that you can kind of fix as such either. It's just it's that's just nature doing its thing. Okay, and Mary is in Buttevant. How would you get rid of moss on a lawn and moss on tarmac? Well, as I'm kind of blue in the face from saying with with the lawn, John Paul, I I, fe- I find the best approach to to moss because. Moss, I mean, you've got to bear in mind, we, we live in Cork, it's a warm, damp climate, and moss loves warm, damp conditions. So this is going to be a, a constant battle, if you like. So what I'm blue in the face from saying is to, to, to not to use the sulphate of iron products, because uh, sulphate of iron will kill moss, but it'll turn it orange or black. But what it does then is it, it lessens or lowers the pH of the soil, making the soil more acidic which is the ideal conditions for the development of moss, okay? So you might think you're getting a, a fix, but it's only very, very short term and you're you're worsening the problem in the long term. So I like to use a back to basics approach when it comes to moss control. So by creating the, or by, by yeah, by creating and then maintaining, if you like, the optimum pH for, for grass growth, which is quite alkaline or slightly alkaline, the, this is the wrong pH for moss. So start at the start. Go back to basics, as I say. So uh, have, having a soil with a, an alkaline or limey pH will be conditions that moss can't grow in. Uh, and then once you've done that, by by maintaining very good, healthy grass growth, you're you're lessening any opportunity for moss or any or any weed to grow in on. So please don't get out there with any. And uh, people all over the country will be going gardening over with this fine weather. So please do not go to the local hardware store or garden centre or wherever or online uh, and and buy these lawn feed weed and moss killers because really all you're doing then is blanket bombing the whole lawn with nasty chemicals um, which probably aren't going to do the job for you anyway and they're going to end up, as I say, if the sulphate of iron in it, all it's doing is acidifying the soil and making sure that you have moss coming. So uh, some garden lime, good aeration, remove the thatch by scarifying and the Irish produced lawn gold is also a very, very good product to use because that will maintain the, the pH at an alkaline level. And we'll stick with lawns and another Mary this time in Bantry. A different problem for for Mary here. Uh, She has a very big lawn, but there's a big patch of dead grass in it and it's gone white and it's spreading. Any reason for this? They don't use any sprays. Well, that is unusual. Yeah, if there's a patch like that, it could be one of the one of the. um fungal infection it sounds like a soil fungal infection in here which is causing it to happen without seeing it it's impossible to say um it's an established lawn they're not using any sprays it has to be some kind of specific reason so it's not an environmental factor like too much weed killer or too little weed killer or anything like that because they're not using them so yeah it's it, i'd be kind of stabbing in the dark on that one without seeing it but yeah i would say take action sooner rather than later perhaps uh, where, wherever you're living get get a local landscaper or horticulturist up to have a, a look at it if you know anybody certainly send on in a picture to, to myself and we'll put it up on the irish gardener page on facebook and see if we can get some answers
And this listener here from Kelbehni, I sent this, or this would have been sent on to you as well. Uh, it's the Jewish Retail Compost, Peter. And they say they have weeds in my garden and they feel they've been brought in by the compost they purchased from a retailer. Now, it's spreading like wildfire through all the shrubs. It looks like some sort of heather and the seeds look like dog roots. Will we have to dig out everything again? Or what's the easy alternative to deal with this, says that listener in Kelbehni? Well, uh, weeds can come in. I didn't see the picture, unfortunately, but um, I'm just having a look at it there now, John Paul. I didn't see the, the pictures, I'm afraid, but weeds can come in from time to time with, with shop-bought compost. It's very, very unusual because normally the, the, it's the heat of the composting process will kill off the pathogens and weed seeds. Uh, and most, if not all, commercial composts, uh, the processes will get to such a temperature that no weed seed can survive. There are always exceptions. There are always bags that sip the net. Uh, it is, it's not common. It is unusual, but it does happen. So you're saying the weeds look like mini heathers and the, the roots were like... And she says here, the roots look like something like a dog root, she says. If that makes sense to you? Yeah, it, it, it's something like a dock leaf or something. It's, it's a tap root. It could be a bit of wild heather or something like that. So, yeah, the 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 the, the only solution, I'm afraid, is, is yes, get out there and, and take it out by hand. Again, send me in a picture. I want to have a look at it, and if I can give any more on it uh, as to how to control it, uh, I certainly will, or even to identify it. But I I think the best thing to do sooner rather than later, if it's being that invasive, go out and take it out by hand immediately. Okay, and this is from a texter that says, Hi, Peter, could you recommend a plant food for potted acers? Yes, for anything growing in a pot. So if an acer or any plant, established plant, John Paul, is growing in your garden soil, then it realistically, once it's established, like once it's more than a few years old, it shouldn't need any feeding. They should get everything they need from the soil. But when you're growing something in a pot, you've kind of got an artificial environment in that situation. So the, the root system quite quickly will, you know, completely deplete any nutrients that are in that pot full of compost. It's up to you to make sure that the plant gets enough water and enough food. So what I would use there is the nature safe, the nature safe seaweed feed, because uh, that contains all the nutrients it needs and that will maintain good plant health. That's what I'd use there. Okay, and this listener has sent on a picture, so I'm not too sure if you've seen this now or not, but they're asking, would it be okay to spread this moss and weed killer called Renovator on the lawn after aerating and scarifying and spreading granulated lime on it? Uh, there's details of it in the picture, so I, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at that picture or not yet, Peter. You, I did, I did. I saw it there, uh, JP, and I, somebody mentioned Renovator last week as well. Um, uh, so you've scarified and aerated and applied garden lime. I think applying the I, I wasn't familiar with the the renovator as regards what was in it you know the photographer tells me there's ncpa mcpa and micropop plus iron so i don't think there's any need to put it on because you're kind of being counterproductive you've put on the lime to maintain an alkaline ph by putting on something with iron in it you're reversing that you're you're acidifying it again the micropop and mcpa are two uh, herbicides weed killers that you know, I'd be slow to, well, I wouldn't be slow. I just wouldn't recommend using on a lawn. I don't see any need for them. I don't see any reason for them, particularly in that kind of a bag of granular situation because you're applying it to the whole lawn, 90% of which may not need it, but you're still putting on these dangerous chemicals, which are going to have an effect uh, on runoff water. On, I did a quick Google there just on MCPA before I came on air, and it is it is a toxic chemical. It is harmful. So I wouldn't, no, it's not. It's not a high up on the list as being very, very, toxic but it is toxic so I don't see the need for, for 
for applying that willy-nilly all over the lawn. It's going to affect the bees. It's going to run off into surface water. Uh, you might have kids or grandkids playing on that lawn during the summer. Why? I, I just wouldn't use it myself. I don't think you need to. You've done enough between aerating, scarifying and applying garden, applying garden lime. I think you've done it. Okay, Mary is in Kenturk. She wants to know, is it too late to cut back hydrangeas now? No, it's not. I suppose ideally you would have done it earlier, but uh, if you haven't done it, it's one of these jobs. It's better late than never. So yeah, cut away now and ideally try and, I suppose, get it done before kind of middle of March. But no, you're certainly not too late. And Maria is in Kinsale. She says she's a lot of thin black worms that are climbing the walls at the moment. Is there any remedy for them? Every night outside the house, the walls are covered. But looking for a safe remedy here that you know wouldn't have any effects on anything growing in the area or on our animals, I suppose, as well. Well, millipedes, millipedes is what they are. Uh, and they, they do that. From, and I don't know, I don't understand the... the <laughs> the story with them because uh, I remember my own family home where I grew up years and years ago they used to be just like that when you, every night they'd be all over the walls you might be coming home after a few drinks and think you're seeing things but they're, <laughs> they're all over the walls uh, they, thankfully they never came in but then after a few weeks or maybe a few months now I don't know but you you wouldn't see them anymore so they never really caused any harm they were just a bit unsightly uh, and I remember the very first time I ever spoke on this program John Paul more years ago now than I care to remember with Trish and it was because somebody had a question about millipedes um, now I know Jay's fluid is, is very good just drench the walls with Jay's fluid and that will stop them coming up but again I'm not sure how harmful that is to, to run off water or in terms of, of toxicity how harmful it is but, um, but I know it does work it, it stops them coming at it Okay, Liam is in Wilton and he has bought a potted rose two weeks ago and he's planted it in peat moss and has kept it watered, but it seems to be dying. Can Peter please give some advice on how to save it or outline what he's done wrong? Well, it's hard to know again, unfortunately, without without seeing it, because there are some roses that are house that should be kept indoors, and particularly at, at the moment, if it was in flower, it was probably, if not an indoor one, it was certainly forced because roses shouldn't be in flower yet. But I'm not sure if that's the case with this without seeing it. Uh, so if it is an indoor one, that's that's the problem. It needs to come in. It needs it's too cold. If it's um, an outdoor one. Then it depends on a few things. Roses really, well, they are in leaf now, but they're not long in leaf, if you know what I mean. So if you got one in full leaf or anywhere near flowering, it would have been grown in, in, in an artificial environment, like under glass, it would have been forced. And then depending on where it was purchased, perhaps it was a supermarket because a lot of the garden centres aren't open. Well, then, and then you put it outside into the Irish conditions, it's not going to, we can't expect it to go straight from a centrally heated supermarket into our gardens and not to to wither, if you like. So it's the acclimatizing. So I'd say that's possibly what it is. You've put it into a pot, you've given it with compost, you've given it water. Uh, It shouldn't be, I wouldn't imagine it's underwatering at this time of the year because it doesn't need much yet. So I would say it's it's a temperature issue. So either it's an indoor rose, in which case it should be inside all the time, or it's an outdoor rose, but it was never acclimatised from where it was purchased to being outside. And how you acclimatise it, particularly now, JP, as we're, they're forecasting up to minus four over the next couple of mornings. So uh, how you acclimatise something like that is you move it out for a few hours each day, getting longer each day. So put it out today for five or six hours and then an hour or two longer and do this for four or five days and it becomes gradually acclimatised to, to our conditions outside. But as I say, if it's bought in a central heated shop, that hasn't been done. Uh, but do, I would err on the side of caution and maybe move it in or cover it for the next few nights. 
Okay, and Helen wants to know what is the best time or when is the best time to put in rhubarb stools? Also, would they need to be fed when they are growing? And is now the best time to set a little vegetable garden as well? All from Helen. Well, Helen, the rhubarb stools I'd normally plant kind of earlier in the year, January, February, into March, no problem. But um, you probably won't even get them now. But if you have them, plant them the sooner the better. But but you may not get them anymore. So going forward, I would say next year, look at look look for them from kind of January onwards, get them established before they come into growth. Um, do you need to feed them during the growing period? I would say yes. Feed them again with that nature safe liquid seaweed, a uh, very good, rich, organic feed, and it's important because you're going to be eating it. Obviously, the the the, the rhubarb that it's an organic plant food uh, and the nature safe is so feed it with that uh, you feed it as it's growing mulch it during the winter with something like seaweed from from, from a beach that has come in off the storm or, or even well-rotted farmyard manure um, and then is it a good time to start a new little vegetable patch absolutely your your perfect time for it to start off your seedlings most seedlings will still be started off indoors at the moment because it's still a bit cold uh, with a view to planting out during the next month but certainly a great time to start and finally uh, two here if you can answer them briefly we're just about a minute to go Margaret is in Kilmurray she wants to know when is the right time to plant daffodils if she took up some of hers now for her neighbour can she plant them now? The, the textbook answer would say take, if you're lifting them now then wrap them and store them somewhere cool and dry until the autumn and plant them out again however on saying all that daffodils are tough as old boots so if you if you lift them now and plant them now they, I imagine they'll be fine and Brida in Clondrohid she's trying to get the classic starter long gold she can't get it anywhere it's sold out in all the websites any idea where she could get it locally there for her in Clondrohid or the McCroom area in a blatant plug for my own website, theirishgardener.com, I do think we have some in stock in 10 kilos. Not the big, big bags, but we have 10 kilo bags of, of um, our buckets of lawn gold at the moment. That's back. She's just texting saying that it was gone from your own web- website, but that's obviously back in oh. again. So. Well, if, if it is gone, I apologise, but it will go back up in the next couple of days. We're waiting on more. Very good. Brita, hopefully that helps you. And Peter, you're answering questions again on Friday on your own Facebook page. Yeah, Friday on the Irish Gardener, one o'clock, Ask the Gardener is what we call it. You know, it's getting great feedback, John Paul. We're getting about 15,000 people tuning in wow. each week, so it's it's vibrant. Everyone's gardening at the moment. So yeah, this Friday, one o'clock on the Irish Gardener on Facebook. Great stuff, Peter. Uh, thank you for that. We got to as many uh, as the questions as we could, and we'll get to back to uh, those we didn't get to on the show next week for the moment. Thanks for joining us this afternoon, Peter. Mind yourself. Take care. And you. Thanks, John Paul. Uh, that is Peter Doddle, the Irish Gardener uh, on theirishgardener.com or indeed you'll find him on Instagram or on Facebook at the Irish Gardener. Enjoy your Wednesday afternoon. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. We'll chat tomorrow morning again with Cork Today, 10 a.m. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.